this is what you're fighting for. I mean, every day you're out there. What they're doing is blowing people off. If you continue to look the other way and shut up, then the oppressors, the authoritarians get total control and total power. Because this is just like in Arizona. This is just like in Georgia. It's another element that backs them into a quarter and shows their lies and misrepresentations. This is why this audience is going to have to get engaged. As we've told you, this is the fight. All this nonsense, all this spin, they can't handle the truth. War Room Battleground. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. All right, some breaking news this afternoon in the media world. Brian Stelter is out at CNN. The host leaving the network after his show Reliable Sources was canceled. It's Brian Stelter. There it is. Oh, my God. I mean, that is a horror movie cover. Seriously, he is scarier looking than It the Clown. I mean, would you let your children anywhere near that psychopath? I mean, that is a psychopath right there. I mean, look at him. God. Oh, I mean, it, it just, it cries out, danger, danger, alert, alert. I am a scumbag. I am filth. I am your enemy. I, I would literally not be able to finish my dinner if, so, if somebody walked over and talked to me that looked like these two guys. And I'm sorry, they're not just lying anti-American scumbags that want to run us all on the ground because they're little men. They're pieces of crap. They think they're better than everybody. That's what it's about. It's the spirit of evil. And we must break them. Oh, I've tried to do joke photos like this to look disingenuous, and I can make any face I want to. I can't pull it off because the eyes, Chico, it's always in the eyes. Oh, 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 my gosh. Oh, hell on earth. He wants to run your life. He wants to control every aspect of your life because he knows he is a cowardly, degenerate sack of anti-human trash. I pledge before my heavenly father that I, 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 that I will resist them every way I can. These people are the literal demon spawn of the pit of hell. Look at him. And you know what? He is better than you if you keep letting him run your life. He runs your kids. He runs the schools. He runs the banks. This guy, this spirit, this smiling, leering devil that thinks you can't see what he is. He is your enemy. Period. All the narcissistic devil-worshipping filth. <sighs> I see you, enemy. I see you, enemy. Enemy! Enemy! You are my enemy! And I swear total resistance to you with everything I've got. Disingenuous, fake, false, broke back, twisted, a defiler, a betrayer, a backstabber, a devil. You will pay. Yeah, you think I don't see your face, scum? You don't think I don't see you, Stelter? I see you. You understand me? I know what you think of me and my family. I see you right back. You understand that? You understand that, Stelter? <sighs> humanity down. God is going to destroy you. Get him off the screen. Oh God, they're so evil. Just please God free us from them. 
They're drunk on our children's blood, for God's sake. <sighs> okay, uh, welcome. It's Thursday, 18 August, year of our Lord, 2022. Announcement this afternoon of really no surprise, John Malone, who's essentially the owner of the Time Warner apparatus, he's calling all the shots he had. Uh, was it John Licht, uh, who is the runs uh, CNN, uh, told, called Stelter in yesterday and said, uh, not only surprisingly, Stelter gone after nine years at CNN. More importantly, that reliable sources, which I think Howard Kurtz now or Fox started, it's been around for 30 years. That show is a last episode will be Sunday. And for he's the um, the hall monitor. He's the, the obnoxious hall monitor for the progressive uh, left. So a um, not a surprising announcement, but John Licht, uh, who is the CEO over there under orders from Malone to clean it up. Uh, and clean it up quickly. You'll, you'll be seeing, I'm sure, Don Lemon and others exiting here relatively rapidly. They're trying to turn it back to news. And of course, the one and only Alex Jones uh, giving his opinion. Of course, that was from a, a couple of years ago when he was he and uh, Stelter were going head to head all the time. But he gave you his assessment of Brian Stelter. So reliable sources gone. Uh, I want to bring in. We got a lot to get to today. We got Ed, the great Ed Dowd. We got Dr. Harvey Rich is going to join us. Joe Allen on this exploding story about the children's uh, hospital in Boston, kind of shocking about what's going on there. I guess they call it gender affirming surgery. We're gonna get into all that. This this story is metastasizing with Chris Rufo and Brian, um, Brian Walsh and others. I wanna go first, we're gonna bring in Eli Crane who won the uh, primary out in Arizona. Uh, Eli, uh, thank you for joining us. So Eli, here's what I wanna do. I wanna play the uh, politics and eggs uh, clip from New Hampshire. I want Eli to come, he wrote a brilliant, column but i want him to comment on this mike pence uh this mike pence uh, uh, hit up there in uh, new hampshire let's play it the republican party is the party of law and order our party stands with the men and women who serve on the thin blue line at the federal and state and local level and these attacks on the fbi must stop calls to defund the fbi are just as wrong as calls to defund the police The truth of the matter is, we need to get to the bottom of what happened. We need to let the facts play out. But more than anything else, the American people need to be reassured in the integrity of our justice system and the very appearance of a recurrence of politics playing a role in decisions at the Justice Department demands transparency as never before. And I will continue to call on the Attorney General and the Justice Department to make that information available to the American people and do so now. Republican Pence, what are you gonna do? You're gonna call, it's all nonsense. We need to think, it's all just happy talking bromides. You have to take action. Rasmussen has a poll up this morning that 53% of the American people now believe that the FBI acts like a Gestapo because they do. It's been politicized. And we can go through chapter and verse. Of course, Mike Pence and his guy, you know, Mark Short, they're all working with the police state. They're up there ratting people out all the time at these committees. That's what they do. This is, you know, Mark Short. You know, you can't trust Mark Short. You can't trust the people around Pence. They're untrustworthy. His, his aides are all over CNN all the time. Trash talking MAGA, trash talking Trump. Trash talking you, the audience. It's outrageous. Eli, you wrote an amazing piece 
uh, that really kind of, you know, walk through this, your, your feelings about the FBI raid, about the DOJ, about Mar-a-Lago, President Trump, this kind of fishing expedition. But I'd like you first to give us some comments on uh, on Mike Pence and what he had to say up in New Hampshire, sir. Well, thanks for having me on, Steve. I think it just shows the detachment between Mike Pence and the reality of the situation. Mike seems to be talking about the FBI, FBI like it's 20 years ago. This organization we have seen time and time again uh, in the pretty recent um, you know, time frame, they're broken. They're broken and they have been weaponized. They're extremely partisan. And it's not just it's you know, it's not just the FBI raid on a former president, you know, Trump's home that has never happened in the history of this country. Um, you got Merrick Garland, obviously, um, calling uh, parents that show up to their kids school that want to hold teachers and, you know, officials accountable for teaching their kids CRT domestic terrorists. I have a friend named Mike Glover, who uh, is a former uh, Green Beret, former Special Forces guy that started a company. And he's now on the he's now on one of their watch lists. And he made a video a couple of weeks ago called I Am Not a Terrorist. And the ironic thing is, Steve, is that Mike Glover and many of us have worked with the FBI and other federal um, federal agencies in the past to try and protect this country. And now if you don't go along with their their agenda as they become weaponized and partisan and basically the, uh, the action arm of the Democratic globalist party now you have become a terrorist yourself and it's just sad to see the disconnect when you know leaders like mike pence that once had so much respect from so many of us uh, just don't get it they just don't see reality and it's why it's so important that this um you know this america first movement um and you know folks like myself get an opportunity to get in there and help straighten it out because we know, Steve, we are at war. This country, the heart and soul of this country right now hangs in the balance. And if we keep acting like um, moderate Republicans um, and establishment Republicans who, you know, want to fixate on big government, little government, you know, tax law, we're going to lose this country. And that's why it's so important um, you know, that we continue to, you know, focus on, as you say all the time, signal and not noise. Eli, I just want to give your bona fides, if you can walk through it, your service to the country, because you in this race in, in Arizona uh, against uh, how, how you, you are the MAGA candidate, you're the law and order candidate. So this is not coming from people who do not have the absolute back of, of the military and don't have the back and have the back of the uh of the police. Walk through, what, what is your service to the country? And walk me through your bona fides as being the law and order candidate in this congressional race out in Arizona. Well, absolutely, Steve. And this is what breaks my heart about it is, you know, mo many of my friends, some of my best friends are in law enforcement and they're the sled dogs. And this is a leadership problem, like so many of the leadership problems that we have across the board in this country. But I was a former Navy SEAL, Steve. I joined the the Navy the week after 9-11. I actually dropped out of, out of school my senior year to go do that. I love this country. I'm endorsed by the National Border Patrol Council. And, you know, so it doesn't it, it doesn't excite me at all to, you know, in a sense, throw an organization that many of us looked up to for many, many, many decades under the bus and say, these guys, these guys have gone off the reservation. They must be reined in. And I think it's like a lot of things, Steve. I think it's I think it's a leadership issue. 
You know, I think that we have to cut the head off of the snake and we have to expose, we have to bring what's been done in the dark into the light. And that's going to take congressional hearings, but it's also going to take the great men and women in the FBI and other law enforcement agencies that are just as sick and tired of seeing this crap who become whistleblowers and work with us so that we can straighten this out and we can restore confidence back in our nation's law enforcement. It's a sad day, Steve, and it brings me no pleasure at all um, to, you know, be, be even thinking about the FBI like many of us do now. Let's let's put up uh, uh, Eli's uh, piece. Eli, walk us through this. Take a minute or two and walk us through this piece that you wrote uh, that I think is incredibly perceptive uh, and kind of lays out your thoughts on this. Yeah, well, Steve, I mean, it, it just goes into the fact that this raid is not an isolated incident. OK, you know, I talked about some of the other some of the other issues, but th these bureaucracies, these organizations seem to get further and further away from what their charter is and protecting the American people and our constitutional rights. And like I said, they have become partisan. They have become weaponized. If you look at the contrast between what happens when Hillary Clinton bleach bits and, you know, crushes, you know, her, her servers and all of her emails, and there's nothing done about it. When you look at the fact that Hunter Biden is still walking the street, and then you look at what happened with the president while he was coordinating with the FBI to try and you know get this straightened out and get them what they needed we we know that this is we know that this is political and that's what worries so many of us that have actually worn the uniform have carried the firearms to protect men and women in this country we know what happens we've seen it overseas when you know these bodies that are supposed to protect the populace get weaponized and turned on the populace and that's why so many of us are speaking out about this Steve Talk to us about you won the primary. Uh, talk to us about and you won it handily. Talk to us about the race. Walk us through what's got to happen, uh, and where you're going, and then how do people get to your website? Because this is one that's you're, you're MAGA through and through and Trump endorsed. And so this is one that's obviously incredibly important. Yes, Steve, it, it, it really is. It's um, Tom O'Halloran is a three term Democrat. We're trying to unseat him. He's been ranked the most vulnerable Democrat in the entire country. He's done nothing about the border. He continues to vote for all this uh, legislation that's destroying our economy. Um, and we have to unseat him. And you know what, Steve, one of the greatest things about a lot of what I'm seeing, um, especially with this raid on Mar-a-Lago, is it's doing something that I, I don't think the Democrats really took into consideration. It's actually uniting the party. And I'm seeing you know, individuals that, you know, aren't always on the same page, whether we're MAGA or America First or more moderate Republican, actually unite and uh, just, you know, call this out for what it is and just the overreach that it is. And so um, if you guys want to help us out, if you want to help us flip Tom O'Halloran in the most vulnerable Democratic seat in the country, please go to EliForArizona.com. You guys can find me um, at Eli Crane, CEO, Eli for Arizona on social media. We really appreciate this show, the activism, and it, you know, it spurs us on every day to not just be about a bunch of talk, but action, action, action. Eli Crane, former Navy SEAL, Trump endorsed in a, uh, in a tough one out there in Arizona. He's the MAGA candidate. Eli, thank you. The article was amazing. And thank you for your thoughts on Mike Pence. Look forward to seeing you on the campaign trail. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it, Steve.
Thank you. I want everybody to go to Eli and just check it out. Check out that site. Remember, if you can't give a donation, which is fine. To find out what you can do to help. Can you can you push out information? Can you be a force multiplier? We need everybody engaged here. Want to bring in Ed Dowd from Hawaii. Ed's one of the smartest guys out there about capital markets and, and trading. Uh, and he's a numbers guy. Does he was a you know one of the top ranked portfolio managers at BlackRock, which uh, remember the, the, you're not there for your personality. You're there for your brains and your in your trading instincts. Ed, Ed, as you and I, we've had you on a lot to talk about the economy and, and more of the traditional stuff you've done. But you've become, I don't say obsessed, you've become very focused and really getting to the bottom of a lot of the ground truth about the pandemic, about things that drove the world economy kind of to the brink, or I guess today still driving it to the brink. And you became really very focused on a couple of fundamental sets of, of data. Uh, it's leading to uh, Tony Lyons and the Great Guy Children's Health Defense. Tony Lyons, I think you're coming out with a book in the fall. I just want to give people a heads up that you're actually taking your research in this area and turning it into a book called Causes Unknown. Why don't you walk us through what you found that you believe now needs to be pulled into a book form so that you can explain it to people, sir. Sure. So my journey began with anecdotes in this, you know, early part of 2021. I had a thesis that something changed in 21. My thesis was vaccine. So I uh, knew what to look for. Uh, and that was uh, insurance company results, funeral home results. And then we dug into the CDC data and other databases across the globe. And what we found was that uh, basically younger working age folks started dying at alarming rates in 2021 versus 2020. Uh, in the first uh, year of the pandemic, pre vaccine with mostly old people, and then the mix shift shifted to working age folks. And uh, today I want to report uh, something brand new. Uh, yesterday I was notified by one of my insurance actuarial insiders that the a Society of Actuary Research Institute put out a report on group life insurance uh, mortality, excess mortality. And this is a, a survey of 80% of the revenues of the group life US uh, uh, industry. And basically it confirms what myself and my Wall Street partner found on your show in February that we were doing individually company by company. It confirms that in Q3, uh, if you have table 5.7, you might want to show that. It confirmed that in Q3, yeah. into the mandates, there was an alarming spike in working age excess deaths. Uh, in, in the 35 to 44, it was 100% over uh, normal for that quarter. Um, you know, this basically, this report, and the quote from my insiders uh, to me about this society is basically this. She said, nerds, highest standards of data and quality ethics for real you can rely on that report. So this is literally confirming what we've seen in the company results aggregated. It continues to show uh, about 20% excess deaths currently in the end of Q1 in this report. I am told by her that this number remains around that level going into uh, Q2 from Q1. So the data has been confirmed by this, the Society of Actuaries. Now, whether or not they make the same conclusions I do, I won't go there because they're actuaries. They're not, you know, the bravest people on the planet. But I'm a loud, brash Wall Street guy. I have my thesis. I believe I'm 100% right on what's causing the excess deaths in the U.S. and across the globe. Okay, I just want to make sure we frame this properly. People, you came on in February. You you knew something was changing 
in 21, you started doing your research and your thesis was, hey, what's new is this vaccine. This vaccine is now out and being promulgated, being pushed out. The, and you came on in February and you kind of had this shocking news to say, hey, look, I've been running these numbers. I got a couple of insurance partners and you can see that there's, there's a higher, de- and it's not small. It's not one or 2%. These are 20% right. or higher, which is shocking. I mean, it's, those are, people should understand and something like this, if you get outside the bandwidth by one or 2%, even that brings everybody down saying what's going on at 20%. It's like something monumental. What you're saying now is a society of actuaries doing their own analysis is going to publish it's been internal, but it hasn't been promulgated publicly. I guess they're, they are going no, to come forward to the best of your knowledge. It's already public. Uh, I have a link getter uh, site. It's already, it came out yesterday. And my uh, actuarial insider said, go look at table 5.7. It basically confirms everything you've said about the insurance industry. So let's, let's, insurance put, executive, let's put 5.7. Let's put 5. Go ahead. Okay. Walk, walk us through 5 points. Walk us through 5.7 because this should be the front page of the New York Times. This should be front page of the Wall Street Journal. This should, the Financial Times of London should have a screaming headline. Even if the actuaries don't, make the jump or don't make go the logical inclusion of what you're saying this is what what this is what the drivers are just the math in itself should should shock people correct ed in in a normal in the normal course of business this should be front page of wall street journal new york times washington post it should be on fox cbs nbc abc this needs to stop this what we see here the red as highlighted by the society is an event what was that event that event was mandates into Q3, August, September, October. And what, what I showed earlier on your show several months ago was a breakdown of the millennial cohort, where I uh, famously complained that the, or, or proclaimed that the government had committed democide through uh, mandates. And the, you know the numbers are there. So we showed the millennial age group saw a rate of change into 84% excess mortality in the uh, third quarter of 2021, and boom, there's the Society of Actuaries confirming my work and my partner's work. There it is. So where do we go from here? I mean, we're, we'll obviously make sure the correct people get this, but now that it's out, tell me, you know, because you make you have a theory of the case. The actuaries don't have to; they're just putting up the actuarial the actuarial charts. How do you? then make the link to what you're saying the case is of what's driving these uh, the differences in death rates? Well, so the naysayers have claimed uh, that it's uh, long COVID. They've claimed that it's suicides. They've claimed that it's missed uh, screening cancer treatments, and they've claimed it's drug overdoses. The problem with that is you can see temporally the rate of change into the third quarter. And you can't say to me that all these events occurred Simultaneously, everyone decided to commit suicide, overdose on drugs, or miss uh, their cancer screening treatments. It makes no sense for that age group. That's number one. So temporally, the rate of change is the smoking gum for that gun for that age group. Secondarily, we're working. My my hedge fund partners and I are working on some data from the UK that's going to basically show a linkage between ages one through fourteen of actual all-cause mortality coming down during 2020 and 2021 before that age group got vaccinated. And then mysteriously, as soon as the vaccines get rolled out, uh, the cumulative deaths start rising. And you can't say that ages 1 through 14 
uh, are overdosing on drugs, missing their cancer screening treatments, or uh, committing suicide. So the window uh, is closing on the what I call the death merchants, the death dealers. Uh, the evidence is becoming overwhelming, and uh, you know I saw your show this morning, and the CDC is uh, doing a uh, the, the one-two uh, shuffle here to try to cover up what's coming. They know what's coming. It's becoming undeniable. Well, okay. This is why we wanted to have you on today. We got Harvey Risch, obviously the great Harvey Risch, uh, following you. We're going to try to get you on. We're doing a special tomorrow. The entire six o'clock hour is going to be on this topic. Do you believe that the CDC and the guys inside the apparatus understanding, hey, because they follow this show closely, hey, what you put out there in February, knowing that the Society of Actuaries were going to come to this conclusion, this is part of the reason they're saying the CDC has failed in their job and they're having, they're trying to get ahead of this by saying that there's been certain failures, major failures at the CDC? Uh, absolutely. And if we go back in the time machine, when we started coming out with this data on your show, uh, it wasn't that long after that uh, they declared COVID pandemic over and all of a sudden the Ukraine war started. So temporarily, this issue was kind of wiped off the, uh, the board, but it's back and it's not going away. And th this, this movement we're seeing from them is definitely an attempt to uh, whitewash and cover up. Ed, can you give how people, uh, first off, can we put the cover of the book up? Uh, it, how, I take it we can't order the book yet. I talked to Tony Lyons. I just want to put the cover up. The cover is pretty amazing. It's going to be up on Amazon and Skyhorse and Children's Health Defense when it comes out. But this is where Ed's going to put a book out in this. Ed, I know you're getting banned <laughs> every other day from someplace. Where do people go now to get to your writings and stay on top of this? Um, Getter uh, and the website. I'm. We're. Try I got some partners working on it. I want to get some stuff out there soon. But Getter at Edward Dowd, D O W D. I put the link to the full S O A uh, report on Getter, and you can. This is freely available. It's in PDF format. You can download it, read it. But uh, I was pointed to table five point seven by my industry insider, who said this is a smoking gun. Okay. Uh, real quickly, t Twitter banned you or shut you down? Just wanted, other social media shut you down? Um, I was never on Facebook or Instagram. I never joined. I was on Twitter and got uh, booted off Twitter for basically citing CDC data and uh, peer review studies. Exactly. And that was it. I was gone. That's the point I want to make. Ed Dowd, uh, American Patriot, your work here has just been extraordinary. I uh, can't wait for the book, and hopefully we'll talk to you after the show, get you on tomorrow night sick with uh, Dr. Malone, Dr. Wolf. Hopefully we'll talk Harvey Rich into it, too. Ed Dowd from Hawaii. Okay, short commercial break. Dr. Harvey Rich from Yale, and, of course, Joe Allen in the world. War Room Posse, you already know free speech is under constant attack by the swamp and their big tech allies. They resell your communications and personal data while lecturing and laughing at you. I've got the solution. Unplugged Systems, a secure communications company, has an app suite you can install on any Android phone, including its own uncancelable app store, VPN, antivirus, and highly encrypted messenger better than Wicker, Signal, Telegram, or anything else. None of your message or VPN traffic is stored, analyzed, or sold. Claim your security for only $10 a month. 
go to their website, unplugged.com. That's unplugged.com slash war room to install the unplugged suite. It's secure. It's private. It's the way we stay connected and informed. Get it now. Take action, action, action. Use your agency. Folks, let me tell you about Salty. It's a company that makes a soft gel supplement rich in antioxidants to help people like you and me keep a healthy heart. While COVID gets all the headlines, it's important to realize that heart disease kills nearly 700,000 Americans every year. Yes, heart disease is the number one killer every year, year in and year out. Heart disease builds over time. Hypertension, high blood pressure, bad cholesterol, diabetes, all of it affects our heart. A healthy heart is key to being energetic as we get older. It is never too early to take care of your heart. You see, heart disease sneaks up on us. You can start in your 30s, and when this happens, you're at serious risk by the time you turn 60. If you want to take care of your heart and those you care about, please go to warroomhealth.com. That's warroomhealth.com. All one word, warroomhealth.com. Use the code warroom at checkout to save 67% of your first shipment. That's code warroom at checkout to save 67%. Do it again. Warroomhealth, all one word, warroomhealth.com. Go there today. You need, if you're going to be part of the posse, you need a strong heart. You need a lion's heart. How we're going to do that is with Salty. Go there, do it today, check it out. Peter Navarro in leg irons for simply doing his constitutional duty. Now they want to put Peter in prison for standing up for Donald Trump. Please go to Amazon right now and order Taking Back Trump's America to help fund Peter's legal defense. Taking Back Trump's America provides a critical MAGA blueprint to put Trump back in the White House in 2024. Buy Taking Back Trump's America on Amazon today. If they can put Peter Navarro in prison, they can come for all of us. War Room Battleground with Stephen K. Bannon. Welcome back. Uh, because they put out this report on C- a scathing report, as the mainstream media said about uh, uh, the CDC, we want to bring in Dr. Harvey Risch, who's been at this from day one. Doctor, you have um, stepped forward at your position at Yale with a, a lot of uh, moral courage and warned America about what was going on. Give, give us your assessment. People want to hear what you have to say about this, quote unquote, scathing report that I guess CDC has done on itself. Um, or, or has done in conjunction with some uh, a senior executive service personnel from the public health apparatus. Can you give us your assessment? Well, it's great to be with you, Steve. Um, I don't really see this as a scathing report. I see this as a trivial report on issues that are not really straightforward, that the CDC recognizes that it has a truth and reliability issue with the American public. And rather than getting to the bottom of what their internal problems are, they attempt to paper over it with trivial reasons like what they're calling transparency, rapidity of of response and things like that, that are not the critical issues that, that they're facing. The problem with the CDC is that they have repeatedly put out fatally flawed studies on their morbidity mortality weekly report, which is their in-house journal. And they don't recognize that these are problematic studies and and papers. 
these papers have 20, 30, 40 MDs and PhD epidemiologists on them. All these people are signing off on this work that purports to be science, but it's all bogus. And the reason that it's bogus is because of actual technicalities that make these studies flawed. For example, reporting on a, on a survey that got eight to 13% response rate, that would be laughed out of any epidemiology journal. And yet they take that seriously with a straight face and purport to say that that's representative of, of, of some study that uh, people that they surveyed. And there are other, other numerical uh, errors that they've made throughout these, these publications that make them untrustworthy and unreliable. And that's led to the, the but 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 hang on hang on for a second but let, hang, hang on before you're one of the you've dedicated your life to this and you're one of the top people in this country working at a top institution Yale when you say something like that to an average schmo like myself and, and the rest of our audience it's like that would be something you would correct of a graduate student that said hey you just didn't understand how to do the math here's how you do it what I think boggles people's minds is in something that was this catastrophic for the country. How did they consistently do these types of things when you just said they had 30 or 40 doctors or PhDs? And these people all come, they're all credentialized. They all come from the top places in the country. The CDC is all run by Dr. Winsley. They all went to the top medical schools. They're all, they're all the, the best and the brightest. So how does something that fundamental, when you mention it to guys like that, well, that's so obvious. How did it even get through their own committees internally. So, so explain to the to the civilian out there how could this possibly happen? And it's it's not one guy that made a mistake. It's it, you said there's thirty or forty doctors. You got the whole CDC apparatus. They're putting this stuff out, and it's not like it's minor stuff. <laughs> this is what the country's making massive decisions, not just in our economy, but for our whole way of life. So one particular egregious thing that they did exemplifies why this is a problem and where it comes from. And that was they did basically state-by-state state analyses of, of masking, I think. And then they picked one state. You know, there's variation from state to state in the results. They picked the state that had the most uh, positive uh, results of the case that they wanted to make. They cherry-picked the state and put that out as if that's science. That is the problem, that they are using science to cherry-pick science to represent predetermined policies that they want. And, and so, as far as I can tell, the, the underlying problem is their paternalism, that they think that they are exalted and experts and know better than the people in the public about how to manage their lives and how to manage their behaviors and how to manage their medical status. And that paternalism is a failed public health uh, motive. It, it, it fails on, on constitutional rights grounds and now we've found that it's failed on tech, technical, technological science grounds as well. So when the CDC says that it's planning to be transparent, what that means is we want you to think we're transparent, but we're still going to be paternalistic. We're just going to hide our lack of transparency better. And so there's no reason to believe that they're going to be transparent. <clears throat> the problem is politicization and the use of science to further their, their political motives. One thing that's disturbing, and they t when they go through this whole thing, they really, the core of it, they're getting down, they want more resources, and they actually said they ought to be given more mandates epidemiologically to actually have more emergency, <laughs> the, the ability to call for more emergency. Am I wrong in my assessment that they, after citing their faults of transparency and these other things, 
Their solution is more money, more resources, and a bigger scale at a federal level to really put out more dictates and really call whether there's more pandemics or not. Well, part of that is correct, that the CDC has always had trouble getting data from the state health departments. Some states are compliant and some are resistant. And this has gone back to the toxic shock episode uh, of the um, early 1980s. And since then as well, that states can be slow in registering their events and and they may get to the CDC months later or maybe not. Nobody quite knows. And so the CDC is right. The C, uh, Dr. Redfield told me that he had tried to put a CDC staffer in each state public health department so that that could coordinate getting the data. And Congress wouldn't fund it. It was an expensive proposition. Congress wouldn't fund it. So there's some reason to think that it's true that the CDC does not have enough resources to be able to acquire data rapidly from across the country and representatively. On the other hand, giving the CDC carte blanche to make even worse policy pronouncements than they've done in the last two years would just be even more catastrophic, that they've proven that they can't handle the responsibility of providing objective results. And so what they've done is they've channeled messaging from a top-down approach rather than actually looking at science and formulating actual objective scientific results. CDC came out last week and said that the vaccines are not a viable method of uh, uh, re reducing transmission of the virus, neither the original shots nor the, the booster system. That, and they quietly said this as if to say, oh, we're, the science has been changed. Well, the science hasn't changed. It's their evaluation got held up to, to light to show that they were wrong in their policy in the first place. And we were saying this a year or more ago, that this was not going to work in the long term. And that's what happened eventually. And, and so finally, the CDC was forced to uh, uh, concede that this was the case because everybody knows of all the people who have been vaccinated and been getting COVID. And so, you know, for them to, con to admit to the reality is uh, if they hadn't, it would have been an even worse credibility stain on, on them. But as it is now, they're, they're just kind of ignoring their whole past and hoping that everybody will forget the last 20 minutes and just see what they said now. But we're not willing to do that. How is it that these group of professionals, you, you've said this, and Naomi and, and both Dr. Malone said this morning, which kind of chilled me to the marrow of my bones, that they don't really believe in science and they want to use science just to fulfill, not real science, but scientism to fulfill their policy objectives. How is it that this many professionals from this many great institutions credentialized? I think what's scary is when you guys say that, and, and you guys are so respectable, it's all about science, all about the evidence, all about the data. And you're saying these great institutions of ours are now really practicing scientism. How did that happen? Well, it's, I wouldn't put it exactly that way. I would say that what they're practicing is technologism that I'd say 90% of what is science is not actually science, it's technology. That using scientific equipment and making measurements and drawing conclusions isn't quite science. It's, it's a technological and technical process, but the science is making hypotheses about how nature works and then making measurements in order to see whether those theories work or are refuted. And so relatively few of us are actually scientists. Most doctors are not scientists. Very few of them. Doctors that get master's in public health degrees are not scientists. 
doctors who get PhDs and do a, a dissertation may be scientists, but again, it depends on whether they're they're pushing a technological measurement to see whether this biological test, you, you know, measures some other some particular thing. It's a measure of the technology, not of a scientific question about how nature works. And this is a subtle question that is not even apparent in, in, in to scientists as a whole, let alone to the, the lay public. So relatively few people are actually asking scientific questions because they want to know how nature works. And it just happens that it applies to the, the medical or public health circumstances we're in. Well, we said this is going to be a huge fight, and it's just the opening round on this about the CDC because it's going to be restructured. And Dr. Rich, I know your vo voice is going to be one that people are going to want to reach out to. How can uh, people find you on social media? How can they stay up with your, your thinking, sir? Uh, I have a Telegram channel at Harvey Rich MD PhD, and or they can Google Rich and Yale. That's the two words, and I, I come up, and that has a link to my Telegram channel. It also has information about me on the Yale website. Dr. Harvey Rush, thank you. Honored to have you on here uh, for joining Pleasure. us. Look forward to having you back, sir. Pleasure. One of the most respected men in the country in this field. Um, let's go. We get another, you know, another great institution up in uh, Boston, one of the most revered institutions in our country and the world about healthcare for children. And there is a firefight going on right now. Uh, let's play the, uh, let's play this open. Remember this, the, 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 the cartoon we're about to show you comes from probably the, some of the smartest um, guys in the country about culture and about what really drives a culture. So let's play this and I'll bring in Joe Allen. Who the hell do you think you are? Dr. Biber. What kind of nut job would agree to surgically alter my son into a tall African-American? Oh, you're Kyle's father. That's right, and I also happen to be a lawyer, and I'm gonna have you sued for malpractice and your clinic shut down! What is that on your shirt? What the... They're... they're dolphins. Why? Oh, you like dolphins, hmm? I love dolphins. Ever since I was a child, I dreamt of... But that has hardly any bearing on what I'm here to... I can make you one. What? Invert the back, move the esophagus to the top of the head. Yes, a full dolphinoplasty could be achieved relatively simply. Make me a dolphin? If I could swim with the dolphins, the soft and gentle dolphins, why can't I swim with the dolphins? No. No, no, it's crazy. There's nothing crazy about a person wanting to look on the outside the way they feel on the inside. Gerald! What happened to you? That doctor is a miracle worker, Sheila. I'm the happiest I've ever been. Look, Ike, your daddy's a dolphin. A dolphin? Sheila... It was wrong of us to be so judgmental of Kyle. If he isn't happy with who he is, then who are we to deny him surgery that will make him feel better about himself? Gerald, this is crazy! I used to think I was crazy, but Dr. Biber told me that there are a lot of other people out there who are trans species. All I did is change my appearance to look the way I felt here. 
And I'm telling you now that if we don't let Kyle do the same, he may never be happy. Ever. We owe him more than that, Sheila. We owe him understanding. Okay, we're going to bring in our editor, Joe Allen. Uh, you know, that is obviously uh, comedic, but it has a very powerful message that that show often does and uh, strikes to the heart of it. Joe Allen, there's this major controversy at Boston Children's Hospital around what they're actually doing. And this is, you know, this, these are not a bunch of quacks. This is one of the most revered institution for the health of children, not just in the nation, but in the world. So walk us through, what, what does that cartoon at the beginning uh, mean and, and tie it to this controversy that's going on? Well, Steve, it's good to see a little comedy relief in a, a horrific situation like this. Uh, that was South Park, of course. And um, interestingly enough, uh, the, the town that that clinic was in, in the show South Park, uh, is Trinidad, Colorado. Trinidad, Colorado is where the first uh, major transgender surgery uh, was conducted in the U.S., and that was in 1969. It's basically kind of spread out since then. Of course, the procedure and the attempts go back further. But uh, I think that, it, you know, you see a guy who wants to become the dolphin he always felt like he was, it may seem ridiculous, but I really don't think it's too far off uh, from the sorts of extremes people are going to in order to alter themselves. And of course, when you take into account uh, institutions like Boston Children's Hospital, and you see that there's a push to allow children to determine what sort of body they're going to have by way of surgical knives, uh, it's, it's all so absurd. Most people look at just something as, 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 as crazy as the demand for one to acknowledge someone's pronoun. Somebody says, I want to be called they from here on out. And it's just appalling. They can't even comprehend why a society would move in that direction and how a sane society could. And my response is, I, I don't think that a sane society can. I don't think we are a sane society at least not those segments that have detached themselves so far from reality uh, that they are, one, uh, willing to sort of entertain people's uh, delusions, but two, that they would not just encourage... But, 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 but hang on, but hang on, whoa, 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 but hang on, but hang on. When you say that, they say that, uh, you know, they're delusional and it's us. This is the heart of the medical profession. I mean, Boston Charles is not some bunch of quacks in some Chautauqua traveling around the country. Uh, it's some carny. This is in Boston, which is I I still believe, you know, along with uh, New York City, the medical center of the universe. It's got obviously Harvard Medical School there, but it is a railhead of so much of the great innovation and what's going on. And Boston Children's is re world renowned. So these are not people on the margin. These are people in the heart of actually providing health care to children. And I, I think the point is that that. They are actually have an active program on this that is uh, is is active. I mean, it's it's proactive. They are very active in in doing this and and messaging in it, putting commercials out, and building a big practice on what's called what it's referred to as gender affirming. What is gender affirming? Gender affirming simply says that the medical establishment will treat a patient according to what they declare their their gender to be, regardless of sex. 
Uh, you know, I, Steve, I think that uh, Boston is absolutely a hub of not only medical innovation, but also scientific discovery and just, you know, intellectual ferment in general. It just shows how detached from reality intellectuals and scientists and technologists can be from the deeper realities of human life and the universe. Uh, you know, the, the biomedical establishment, which has become the object of such mistrust and derision over the past two and a half years, that's the same establishment that in the, the 90s and early 2000s was, push, was pushing antidepressants, which have been shown to be not only ineffective, but in, increasingly damaging to people's bodies and minds as they take them over time. Same thing with the opioid crisis pushed out uh, through Purdue Pharma and OxyContin. Uh, also, now with the vaccines from Pfizer and Moderna and J&J, &J, it doesn't really matter if reality keeps smashing their ideals over and over and over again. They have enough clout, enough power, and enough wealth to weather that storm and to continue to push these sorts of things on the population. So when you talk about child gender-affirming care, to me, it just fits in with the broader sort of system that we're talking about, one in which power and prestige and status have completely overtaken just normal, common sense. And I, it's, it's a horrific situation because many people won't seek medical yeah. care in the future because they don't trust that system. Yeah. But by, by the way, we're going to have you back on tomorrow. We're going to break. We got uh, the show starts again at 10 o'clock tomorrow morning. We got we still got the Elon Musk thing to get to about the robots. But I got to continue this. this. This story only gets bigger. And I also want to tell our audience about why we selected South Park. South Park had done a number of parts about that. I want the one on Dolphin. Because it ends with trans species, and of course you're having a belly laugh. Hey, what Elon Musk is just in the Daily Mail uh, yesterday talking about uh, the 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 woman who was his, you know his uh, his partner who he had a couple of kids with. She wanted to have surgery to have elf ears, and he had uh, you know had to talk her out of it. Transhumanism, all this about this gender ideology is the predicate and the substrate of what we talk about transhumanism. And don't laugh, trans species is part of that. That's already kind of you know the south park this thing's from a couple of years ago this is people are well this is crazy well yeah you may say it's crazy but it's going on and this is what we keep talking about transhumanism so much when we talk about the great reset and everything the core of that and the reason we have joe is our full-time editor on it he's on special project right now is that this is signal not noise and that's why we get to get to the bottom of joe allen real quickly how do people get to all your social media to follow you. You're going to be back on the morning show tomorrow. How do people get to you in the interim? Yeah, you can find me on Gitter at J-O-E-B-O-T-X-Y-Z. Also my website, JoeBot.XYZ. And of course, WarRoom.org. Thank you very much, Steve. You can't get, you can't get them on Twitter like Rufo and, and Matt Walsh because of this, because of this exact story. We'll be back here tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock. See you then.